electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, for years, an epidemic of teenage nicotine addiction sweeps the country. Vaping, now the it thing for teens. The FDA today calling it a dangerous epidemic. Leaving thousands of kids now fighting to get clean. I'm 10 hours in. And the culprit blamed for this ongoing public health crisis, an e-cigarette called Juul. With nearly 75% market share, e-cigarette maker Juul has become enemy number one. It's not like millions of kids using e-cigarettes generally. Like, they're all using Juul. Meet the minds behind the life-altering invention, James Monsies and Adam Bowen. Two Silicon Valley entrepreneurs who grow their business faster than Facebook hitting a value of $38 billion in just four years by selling one of the most addictive drugs on the legal market. If you talk to some adults, they'll say, it was easier for me to get off of cocaine or heroin than to get off of my cigarettes. Bowen and Monsies insist they are good guys working to save the lives of smokers. I think the real opportunity here is to improve the lives of a billion people worldwide. But critics say they target kids and create a new generation of addicts. You're nothing but a marketer of a poison. And while they are at it, they get fabulously rich. And as a result, they've made combined billions of dollars. And it's just not right. It is a drive for profits that earns the makers of Jewel a place on American greed. As we work to answer the question, what matters more to Bowen and Monsies? The mission or the money? In 2018, a public health crisis is racing through high schools across the country. And in North Carolina, the state's attorney general, Josh Stein, hears alarming stories about children in his state who are vaping. They got addicted, their grades plummeted, they got kicked off sports teams, they had to switch schools, they had to seek medical counseling or treatment for their addiction. He decides to investigate. I came back to the office and I said to my team, what is going on here? We have to look into what's happening. And that investigation, he says, leads to a multi-billion dollar enterprise that leaves families across the country in crisis. In 2005, in Silicon Valley, where dreams to change the world come true, the seeds of an ambitious plan to save the lives of one billion people take hold. It comes from two students at Stanford University's product design program, James Monsies and Adam Bowen. They are smart, creative, and have much in common. 
I ended up with a degree in physics and a minor in studio art. I double majored in physics and studio art. And they also share two more interests that will chart their futures. One is a common goal to do good in the world, and the other, an addiction to cigarettes. In a series of interviews with CNBC over two years, they share their story. Both of us were conflicted smokers. We're both exercise a lot, eat well, but uh, still smoking. Still smoking, even though they know it is the largest preventable cause of death in the world. According to the CDC, more than 400,000 people in the United States die from smoking every year. They realize that these burning sticks hanging from their mouth are idiotic. Lauren Etter is an investigative journalist who writes a book about Monsies and Bowen. They started wondering, why hasn't anybody innovated the cigarette? Suddenly, in their deadly habit, Bowen and Monsi see a phenomenal opportunity to do good, to create a product that replaces cigarettes. It's hard to imagine an area um, that can be more powerful to public health in particular than to eliminate cigarettes from the face of the earth. Powerful and potentially very lucrative. And so there are two goals here. So not only do they have their public health mission, like this is a product that can save lives, but wow, there are one billion smokers in the world. And if we can grab a tiny piece of that market, we will be rich. And in Silicon Valley, getting rich is the name of the game. And Bowen and Monsies head out to search for investors. As they're trying to raise more money, they're really leaning into their mission because this is what gives a sheen of morality to the company, essentially, by telling investors, no, we're not a tobacco company. We're taking on big tobacco. We're disrupting big tobacco. The pitch works. And with a handful of Silicon Valley investors providing $500,000 in seed money, they get to work on their invention. Right from the start, they operate on a single principle. It is the burning of the cigarette that kills, not the nicotine. If they can eliminate the combustion, they believe they can eliminate the danger. We thought, well, you know, that's, that's easy for us as product, product designers. Of course, it turned out to be not so easy. It took thousands of prototypes. Finally, in 2010, they have a marketable product a nicotine vaporizer that heats tobacco rather than burns it. They call it plume. When you inhale, you get this vapor, but it's not smoke, it's just vapor. So you get the nicotine, you get the flavor, but you don't actually burn the tobacco. Marketing professional Kurt Sonderegger, now the owner of his own vaping business, is hired to sell plume to vape shops, but it's a tough sell. It did have a lot of pain points. To start it, you had to push this little button, and if your finger was in the wrong spot, you could actually get a little shock. <laughs> and there is also an even bigger problem. The big thing that it wasn't was satisfying. There was no added nicotine. If you were a smoker, as I was at the time, you could plume for an hour and still want to go outside and have a cigarette. And so Bowen and Monsies search for an answer. 
pouring through tobacco industry records available online, and they discover a key to their success, a recipe for making nicotine feel less harsh on the throat. They found that if you brought the, the pH down to more neutral, even a little bit acidic pH, the smoke went down way easier. People could inhale more of it. More nicotine, that's the answer. And now they can create their chemical secret sauce, what will allow them to deliver roughly three times as much nicotine as used in e-cigarettes at the time. It is, they argue, what smokers need to reject cigarettes. If an e-cigarette exists and is to anyone in anyone's eyes inferior of an experience to cigarettes, then cigarettes remain king. And it is that powerful punch of the drug that will propel their device into Silicon Valley stardom. In Silicon Valley, you, you often hear about how can you make a product that's sticky? How can you make a product that, um, that you can get, convince users to come back to over and over again? But Adam and James had created a product that was inherently sticky. Sticky because nicotine is so highly addictive. If you talk to some adults, they'll say, it was easier for me to get off of cocaine or heroin than to get off of my cigarettes. Now, Bowen and Monsies face one last step, designing the device. We wanted this product to look um, distinctly different from a cigarette because it's stigmatized and it's associated with things that we want to move past as a, as a people. So they turn to Silicon Valley designers and ask one question. What would smoking in the future look like? And one of the individuals, he reaches into his pocket and he happens to have a flash drive in there, like a little thumb drive. He pulls it out and says, it should look like this. And there it is, Bowen and Monsi's revolutionary answer to cigarettes. A slim, rechargeable device that delivers a powerful but smooth dose of nicotine sweetened with tasty flavors. One reviewer calls it the iPhone of e-cigarettes. Bowen and Monsies call it Jewel. They are convinced smokers will love it because they do. The moment that we had initial prototypes, I never touched a cigarette again. The more I use Jewel, the less desirable a cigarette really is. At one point, Bowen and Monsies share their ideas with the prominent anti-tobacco activist Stanton Glantz. He says he gives them a warning. I said, I think these products are going to really appeal to kids, and that's going to be a big problem. And, and their reaction to that was, well, we just don't, that's not our intended audience. We don't think kids should use these things. We're all thinking about adult smokers. And they just discounted the idea. In June 2015, Adam Bowen and James Monsies are confident that with their powerful nicotine delivery device, Juul, they are about to change the world. I'd say in my, in my wildest dreams, um, uh, Juul and products like it will eclipse cigarette consumption worldwide within the next 20 years. And while that success could spell big bucks for them, Bone and Munzies insist they are not in it only for the money. We see ourselves as a 
for-profit public good company, which means that like any other business, we care about dollars, we care about sales, but we care much more about the public impact, the, the social impact of what we do. But questions will arise about their motives, not because of what they say, but because of what they do. Right at the start, they face a fork in the road. They could take Juul to the FDA and get it approved as a smoking cessation device, marketed to smokers only. But they don't choose that path. Instead, they go to where the big money is, the open market. And they leap into the world of a historically controversial industry. More doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. The cigarette industry, of course, has this long and very controversial history. And they essentially are walking into an industry that has incredible baggage from a public health standpoint, from a legal standpoint. And there are lessons in that baggage on where big tobacco went seriously wrong. They marketed to kids. Winston tastes good like a... The tobacco companies understood very early on if they were going to replace the people they were killing, and they spoke about this in very, you know, blunt terms, they needed to recruit teenagers. And they do. By 1997, the number of young smokers soars to more than 36% of high school students. And the tobacco giants are called before Congress to answer allegations about marketing to kids. No, we do not market to children and right. will not. But the congressmen don't buy that. The American Medical Association found that 91% of the children, three through six, could match Joe with a camel cigarette. <laughs> Which means, Mr. Johnson, that Joe Camel was as well known as Mickey Mouse. In the end, the tobacco companies settle hundreds of lawsuits at a cost of billions of dollars. And they agree to the rule, no targeting youth directly or indirectly. And so Bowen and Monsies, as students of big tobacco, have a powerful precedent that says one thing, do everything possible to keep Juul out of the hands of kids. The, a politically sophisticated person looking at what happened about the marketing to kids, they would say, boy, you know, this is a very politically dangerous thing to do. This could get us into a lot of political trouble. It could get us into legal trouble. But on the other hand, the companies made a fortune because they were so successful at marketing to kids. And so, as Bowen and Monsies consider options for Jewel, they face another critical choice. To be mindful of the kids or to go for broke? At this point, the early investors who reportedly have now kicked in millions of dollars are getting impatient. It had been essentially five, six years that the investors had been patiently waiting for them to create a product that would catch on. And so Adam and James were under immense pressure to create a product that was gonna succeed. And to succeed, as alleged in multiple lawsuits, they think they need to establish what they call cool kid equity by getting Juul into the hands of the cool kids. And this is what Juul's launch campaign looks like. 
chock full of people who look like cool kids. This is the kind of thing that advertising professionals know preferentially recruits adolescents. Robert Jackler is a Stanford medical doctor who studies the impact of tobacco advertising. This is something that the average 15, 16, 17-year-old says, I want to be like them, self-confident, attractive, fun-loving young people. As Jackler sees it, they simply follow the lead of big tobacco. You know, this is the kind of model that Juul adopted was the same playbook as Philip Morris International in popularizing marble amongst young people. The similarities to big tobacco ads are notable. And while traditional cigarette companies are banned from creating billboards, Juul goes big in Times Square. Oh, what's in Times Square? The Disney store, the M&M store. So there was major league exposure to young people. From the biggest screens, Juul moves to the smallest screens, getting inside cell phones via Instagram. The company pays so-called influencers with a big following to showcase the device and it strategically links its images with hashtags across the platform, creating a community of tens of thousands of followers of hashtag Jewel and Jewel Nation. And suddenly, Jewel becomes a wild testament to the power of viral marketing. Viral marketing means that not only do you get a lot of people to use it, but you get those people who are using it to be evangelists for your product, actually becoming effectively members of your marketing team. But what about the millions of smokers they want to save? You know, if they had been marketing Juul to middle-aged smokers, you would have seen a totally different advertising campaign. They would have been running them, you know, in the same place that you see the ads for Pepto-Bismol and erectile dysfunction drugs and diabetes drugs. But instead, in the summer of 2015, Juul hits the road. Heading to hot spots, from Manhattan to L.A., they set up temporary promotional Juul lounges. There, they hand out an impressive 41,000 free starter kits of their addictive drug. The device is untested for health risks and unregulated. Everybody in the e-cigarette industry knew that regulations were coming, but in this golden moment of time, there were none. And so they just barreled into the market. The company is not even required to put on a nicotine warning label. When you look at this, you notice there's no warning. It doesn't say anything about nicotine. This is what you see in the store. So how do you find out it's nicotine? You need a really good camera to see this because it is tiny, fine print, 5% nicotine by weight. At the end of the summer, the success of the launch is promoted in a video. At first, they, they're, they're thrilled with the momentum that is building on social media. But then they look closely. And they're like, wow, those people look pretty young. But should they really be surprised by the kids? Anyone who knows anything about advertising knows that this is how you advertise to teenagers. They knew it, and they did nothing about it. 
Two years after it launches, Juul is off to a phenomenal Silicon Valley start and moving fast. They're very swept up by following the Silicon Valley playbook, right? By following this um, kind of path that's set out for them to get the next round of funding, to get bigger, to be more successful. In 2016, they sell just over 2 million devices, bringing in $60 million in revenue. 2017, sales explode to 16 million, bringing in 200 million in revenue. Bone and Monsi say it just took getting the product into a few stores. Those few stores got the product out into the hands of a good number of smokers, and then they evangelized it. And then all of a sudden, we couldn't keep up. But what they don't say is that Juul is also popular somewhere else, in high schools across the country. In Vancouver, Washington, McCall Mirabella is a freshman in high school. She is a straight-A student and a track star. And that year, she is offered a Juul. The first hit, I got an immediate head high, but the longer I used it, the less I experienced it. And then I just became reliant on nicotine. And so then it wasn't the head high, it was like, oh, I really need some nicotine right now. And she is far from alone. Everyone used it. It would be nerds and band kids and athletes and honor students, it was everybody. One attraction for kids is that Juul is stealthy, easy to hide. Jewel products are super discreet. You can put them in your bra, in your shoe, in your bag, in the waistline of pants. And on top of that, they don't make you smell. And so thousands of kids are slipping their jewels into schools where they get their nicotine hits in bathrooms and even classrooms. And that is ending up kids in hospitals. Sharon Levy, director of the Adolescent Addiction Program at Boston Children's Hospital, is shocked by who is coming in for treatment. Suddenly, we were seeing middle schoolers, and very regularly, kids who were 11 years old, 12 years old, they would say that they would get headaches, that they would get nauseated, that they would vomit uh, when they would use their jewel. And these are all signs that they're getting a very, very high level of nicotine into their body. It feels like taking a huge step back. For years, organizations have waged a hard-fought battle to keep nicotine away from kids. Think smoking makes you look cool? No way. With tremendous success. Since 1997, the number of high school students smoking has plummeted, down from 36% to under 11% in 2015. Because kids have learned cigarettes are dangerous. Jaden Alicia Munoz picks up her first jewel when she is 16. I don't think I would have smoked cigarettes. My grandpa always did, and he developed lung cancer from it. And so I always knew that I would never touch a cigarette. But jeweling, as it is called, is not smoking. And kids believe it is relatively safe. Erin Hall is in seventh grade when she is handed a jewel. Jules said that it was better than smoking cigarettes and that it wasn't as, like, health-wise, it wasn't as bad as cigarettes. So I thought, okay, well, at least I'm not doing cigarettes. And for kids, 
Juul is the device of choice. It's not like millions of kids using e-cigarettes generally. Like they're all using Juul. That was the thing about it. It was like there's something different about this product. What's different? Juul's secret sauce. Initially, no other e-cigarette has such a high level of nicotine. So this is a rule in addiction medicine. The higher the, the dose of the substance and the quicker you can get it to the brain, the more addictive it will be. And kids are getting hooked fast on nicotine they don't even know is in Juul. I didn't know there was nicotine when I very, very first hit it, but after they told me, I still didn't know what that meant. Like, I didn't know what nicotine was and what it did to you. But she later finds out. And that's when it started, the addiction got worse and worse. I would be going through a pack of pods in four days. With the nicotine in one jewel pod equivalent to one pack of cigarettes, it's as if she has a pack-a-day habit of Marlboros. And for a young person, that is especially dangerous. Nicotine actually physically changes your brain. It changes your brain as an adolescent because your brain's still developing. And the hold nicotine can have is powerful. I've seen kids drop out of school. I've seen families sell their house and move to a different town hoping there'd be less vaping uh, in their new town. By the end of 2017, there are reportedly plenty of indications at Juul that kids are big customers. One is a letter from a Brooklyn store owner that, according to a federal lawsuit, is sent to the company in April. He writes, I don't think I can justify carrying this anymore. Kids are getting hooked on this thing. Little kids, like 14 and 15-year-olds. But Bowen and Monsies describe the kids' usage as merely an unintended consequence of their heroic mission. And they repeatedly say one thing. This is an issue that we don't want. Any underage consumption of our product is detrimental to our business. But their actions say something else. If you look at Juul's advertising, it speaks for itself. In 2018, after launching Juul, the company is setting up new offices in an old industrial area on the San Francisco waterfront. It is expanding at breakneck speed. In just four years, it reaches a value of $15 billion. Amazingly, it is growing faster than Facebook. We've scaled tremendously in terms of sales and personnel and facilities, uh, you name it. Um, but what's really exciting is that we're just getting started. They're just trying to send this product into the world. They didn't have the self-awareness to stop for a minute and to say, hey, let's pump the brakes, because that's not what anybody really inside the company wanted. From a figure of $200 million in 2017, Juul's revenue in 2018 skyrockets to $1 billion. And much of that cash is coming from the pockets of kids their allowances and babysitting money as teenage use of e-cigarettes explodes. In September, the National Youth Tobacco Survey reports that three and a half million high school students are using e-cigarettes. And so high school students' tobacco usage is now heading back toward the level it was in the 1990s. And the FDA is cracking down. The disturbing and accelerating trajectory of use we're seeing in youth and the resulting path to addiction must end. 
The finger is pointed at Juul, which now holds 75% of the e-cigarette market. With nearly 75% market share, e-cigarette maker Juul has become enemy number one. And Juul points the finger right back at misleading data. From the data we've seen, the usage of our product by youth is comparable and in fact less than other adult products such as cigarettes and alcohol. At unfair targeting. I think we get a lot of the attention and criticism because we are um, the biggest brand, the, um, the biggest manufacturer. And they make it clear they are not responsible. Their coast-to-coast launch campaign, that it seems was just a mistake. When we launched Jewel, uh, we had a campaign that was um, arguably too kind of lifestyle-oriented, too flashy. We received some criticism when we pulled the campaign. We think it had no impact on sales. By 2018, Juul has replaced the cool kids with older smokers. And what they want is not criticism, but credit for their efforts to combat teenage use. For example, they remove their sweet-flavored pods from retail shelves. But they keep selling kids' favorite flavors like mango and cream brulee online, contending that they check a buyer's age there. It didn't matter that it was age-gated. Kids know how to get around that. They use um, their parents' accounts. They use uh, gift cards that don't have IDs with them. Later, Jewel announces it is eliminating its presence on social media. But still, hashtag Jewel posts continue to pile up, actually tripling in the next year. Why? because they had recruited armies and armies of teens to carry their water for them. So all of these teenagers at that point, the community, if you will, were members of the Jewel Marketing Department. It is all too little, too late. But the genie was kind of already out of the bottle by then. Jewel is already on its own trajectory. There's no taking it back. As the crisis of teen jeweling spirals out of control, Robert Jackler says he meets with James Monsies in Jules' offices. I said, what are you concerned about? And rather than say, I'm worried about these unfortunate kids who are getting hooked, he said, I'm worried about my investors. But so far, investors are all in. In June 2018, Jewel brings in $1.2 billion in new funding from investors. And that push to grow, 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 says just one thing to Josh Stein. They may have told themselves and their employees that this was some a savior product, but they were very much aware about the potential impact on young people and then the real impact, and they continued to move in the same direction, which was market share, market share, market share, because they wanted to cash out. They wanted to sell out. And in December 2018, many observers say they do just that. Altria reportedly closing in on a deal to buy 35% of Juul Labs. It is astounding news. Juul, the company that set out to eliminate cigarettes, sells one-third of its business for $12.8 billion to Altria. Who is Altria? It's these guys. The company once known as Philip Morris, makers of Marlboro, the number one teen starter brand. Come to where the flavor is. Come to Marlboro country. 
And with that huge slug of money coming from Big Tobacco, Juul reaches an astounding value of $38 billion. Juul had already been on shaky ground and doing the deal with Altria, really, they lost any shred of moral high ground that they might have had left. This was really seen as doing a deal with the devil. But Bowen and Monsies stick to their story. They are saving smokers. And aligning with Big Tobacco is the way to do it. They have a detailed database on uh, roughly 18 million smokers in the, in the U.S. Um, so these are the, the very people that we want to try to reach. But it is also a huge payday for people at Juul. The early investors make off with billions. And Bowen and Monsies reportedly each personally get around $640 million out of the deal. And with that money, they achieve the ultimate Silicon Valley status, making it on the Forbes list of billionaires, the richest people in the world. Later, James Monsies buys a $22 million house on a hill overlooking San Francisco. And for some, Bowen and Monty's newfound wealth is infuriating. They presented themselves as these tech bros. We're not tobacco. We're not going after young people. But they were tobacco, and they ended up going after young people. And as a result, they made combined billions of dollars. And it's just not right. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Tonight, the FDA is calling... By 2019, just four years after Juul hits the marketplace, the company is facing a world of trouble. This morning, Juul under fire again. It was almost like deja vu if you had been watching the tobacco industry or if you're inside the tobacco industry. The same thing was now happening to Juul. Just like big tobacco, Juul is hit with hundreds of civil lawsuits across the country. Many are filled by parents and school districts. Josh Stein is the first of 39 states' attorneys general to sue the company. They've caused immense harm and damage to American youth, and they can't just walk away with their money. But lawsuits are one thing. Getting called before Congress is another. In June, James Monsies finds himself exactly where tobacco executives sat years before, in the congressional hearing room. And just out of curiosity, Mr. Monsies, do you happen to know off the top of your head how old you need to be to create an Instagram account? Uh, I, I don't. 13. You have to be 13 years old. For more than an hour, Monsies is grilled. His answers are predictable. I think the real opportunity here is to improve the lives of a billion people worldwide. But congressmen see Jules' impact differently. You're nothing but a marketer of a poison, and your target has been young people. As Monsies takes the heat, miles away, a crisis is unfolding that is the last thing Jewel needs. In Wisconsin, teenagers are rushed to the hospital. 
Their lungs are badly damaged. Young, healthy adults hospitalized with severe respiratory illnesses. So sick, they're being put into medically induced comas. The cause? Vaping. In time, the CDC learns that the primary cause of the mysterious illness is illegal cannabis vaping products. But it is a turning point for the future of legitimate companies like Juul. I think it was a, a, a stark signal to the public that vaping may not be as safe and as benign as it had been advertised, right? So that got people's attention. It certainly gets McCall Mirabella's attention. Now, up to two pods a day, she decides to quit Juul, cold turkey. It is surprisingly rough. There were many nights where I would grab my Juul from my friend and I'd look at it and I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit it, I can't do this. She records her experience. I don't know why the f I'm crying. And for months, she captures the story of her nicotine withdrawal, the headaches, mood swings, stomach upsets. When she is four months nicotine sober, she posts her video on YouTube. My name is McCall Mirabella, and I am addicted to nicotine. She gets two million views. Day 90, about five days ago, some cravings have came back. Ironically, her motivation is the same as a smoker trying to quit cigarettes. The very group Juul is designed to save. I wanted to live a life where I didn't need to use a nicotine product every hour. I wanted to be more in control of my body, and that's what powered me through. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. If the rise of Juul is fast, the fall is even faster. When the FDA bans sweet flavors in e-cigarettes like Juul and store owners crack down on underage sales, Juul's market share plummets. Moving in on Juul's territory are copycats, disposable synthetic nicotine e-cigarettes. Through a loophole in regulations, the non-tobacco devices can offer flavors from blueberry jelly to rainbow sugar. And these are increasingly popular with the more than 2 million teenagers who report using e-cigarettes in 2021. Many blame Juul for this new enormous market. Without Juul, I mean, I never would have started. I don't think anyone would have really started doing it at my school because they were really the entry point for vaping. And those who began vaping with Juul years ago? Remember that addiction is a chronic relapsing disease, so many of them will be struggling with addiction for the rest of their lives. And studies show that a percentage of those addicted to Juul will move on to cigarettes. And for many, the conclusion seems obvious. Juul's battle to eliminate cigarettes has backfired. You know, as a public health person, the way we can reduce smoking in the adult population is to keep kids from getting started in the first place. 
In 2023, Juul's future is uncertain. Like hundreds of other e-cigarette companies, it is awaiting a decision from the FDA about whether it can continue to sell its product in the United States. In the meantime, it settles lawsuits across the country, paying hundreds of millions of dollars to families and school districts who claim to be its victims. $40 million goes to North Carolina. Jewel will be prohibited from influencer advertising, outdoor advertising near schools. With each settlement, the company and Bowen and Monsies admit no wrongdoing. But still, many hold them responsible. It's as though they lit a fire. And as it started to get bigger and bigger, they threw gasoline on it and they stoked it. And then when the fire company came, they said, we had nothing to do with that. We didn't do anything with that. Oh my God, look, there's a fire. While Adam Bowen is still listed as a director at Juul, in March of 2020, James Monsies reportedly cuts ties with the company. He writes a letter saying he wants to spend more time with his family. Bowen and Monsies did not respond to a request for comment from American Greed. The irony in the story is that many smokers do say that devices like Juul help them get off cigarettes. Kurt Sonderegger is someone who replaces smoking with vaping. I haven't smoked since 2012. I know I probably would like to get off nicotine at some point, but I feel like I'm a winner. I got my life back. I've cycled 20,000 miles on my bike since I stopped smoking, and I feel completely healthy and alive again. But many agree that like all addictive products, Juul needed to be handled with more care and that where Bowen and Monsies may have gone wrong is that they lost their dedication to their cause in the profit-driven mindset of Silicon Valley. In Silicon Valley, there's no patience. So Adam and James were under the gun to grow their company fast, to grow it quickly, to make it scale. And that's not what this particular product needed. This product didn't need to scale. I mean, in order to become billionaires, they needed it to scale, but for it to be um, a contribution to public health, it didn't need to scale. And some say it all goes back to that fork in the road where they first had to choose between the mission and the money. Time and again, faced with choices that they could have made between going for the money or more measured growth, while protecting young people from becoming nicotine addicted with their product. They went for the money, every time. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.